fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Do you have any big Valentine's plans? No, I don't. I'm not really big on Valentine's Day. I normally just want Taco Bell. I like that. Because me and Chase have been doing Valentine's Day since circa since y'all were early 2000s. Yeah, since y'all were teens, mm-hmm. babies. Yep. For a What's long, interesting long time. is Hannah's husband, David, and my husband, Chase, We Hannah went to a different school down the road, but we all went to the same school in the same grade, and they've been best friends like their whole life. Since sixth grade, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, my, I don't know where I was going with that, but... That's a fun you, fact. you ended up marrying my husband's best friend. I know. Mm-hmm. Look at us. Here's a problem I have. Tell me. Since you're a school teacher. Okay. Let's hear it. In middle school. Mm-hmm. You teach middle school, correct? I did. I teach high school now, but I used to teach middle school. Same, same thing. Not really, but... Most, some days it, it is. Okay. <laughs> In middle school, we had these things called candy grams. Okay. They also had it on the movie Mean Girls. Yes. You know, four for you, Glen Coco, you go Glen Coco. Yes. You got a candy gram if your friend paid for you to send you a candy gram. Yeah, so mostly, it was normally some kind of like fundraiser type of thing. Right. I have a huge problem with this. And if candy grams are still going around, I need you to put a stop to them. Because only popular kids mm-hmm. got candy grams. Or, or my mom would come up to the school and buy me like 10 t- candy grams. Yeah. But the, the candy gram person would come around and they'd name out who got them. And then there were a bunch of kids who just didn't. Yeah, have candy grams and it was really sad and i hate that oh let me raise the bar for you the school i another school that i taught at they did that with balloons Mm -hmm. and it was a big fundraiser and like it was a lot of fun but it was also like problematic so you could pay a dollar to give someone a balloon Mm -hmm. so think now people are visually carrying around tokens of their love and popularity uh-huh. so it's not just you get some candy and you put it in your backpack and we don't know how much you got so there would be kids walking around the school with like 50 pink and red balloons no and then some kids who are walking around with like one single balloon mm. hanging off their backpack that's that's so wrong so if yeah. you're a teacher that went to my school and there this is still going on put a stop to it yeah it did kind of like it it made me feel a little uncomfortable mm-hmm but my mom would come up to the school. She's a real MVP and bought me like 10. Yeah. And she would, oh, it, she would put different names on them. Oh, yeah. There was it, there was one year where I was like, I'm just going to f- get a list of the names of kids and everyone who didn't get a balloon, I'm just going to send them a balloon from a secret admirer because <gasps> like it breaks my heart. That's so nice. Yeah. It was super sad. It's horrible. Let's put it into candy grams. Yeah. It's just it's just uh, consumer commercialism. Yes. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, that brings us to our topic today. We are talking about Valentine's Day. Well, we're talking about Cupid. You are. Mm-hmm. Which, not sure why cute little angel chubby cherub 
man is the mascot of the of the the holiday. Well, we, we're, we're, we're about to tell them. Yeah, we'll we'll try we, to explain a little bit of that. We did the research for you. We did. So, Cupid originally uh, started with Greek and Roman mythology. So most everything today goes all the way back to the Greeks or the Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, in Greek mythology, he was known as Eros. So basically, just go ahead and know Eros, which means love in Greek, and Cupid are the same person. Mm-hmm. Just one's Greek and one's Roman. So confusing, I know, but the Romans just took all of the Greek stories, changed the names, didn't change anything else, and mm-hmm. called it their own. So this starts with Greek mythology. Eros is the god of love. First mentioned around 700 BC. So this is a long, long time ago. His mother was Aphrodite and or Venus in the Roman name. Uh, his father was either one of three guys. So we start off with a little bit of a sorted love quadrangle. Yeah, so they're... it was either Hermes, Zeus, or Ares. So mm-hmm. You have a Mamma Mia situation here. And he might, and Cupid Arrows might have daddy issues. Probably does. Honestly, we'll see later. He's, he, not, he's a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. And his mom, I mean, Aphrodite is the goddess of love, but it she was more so the goddess of like, you know, not good love, that mm-hmm. kind of desire, lust, not like a stable, solid, faithful type of love. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we don't even know who her son's father really is. A lot of people think that it was probably Ares because he's the god of war and Eros or Cupid's symbol is a bow and arrow. Mm. So some people think maybe the god of war because he has like a weapon as his symbol. He is depicted as this very handsome man or young, young adult man, not a baby like we have. Golden hair, good wings, muscular bod. Like he was like a attractive person mm-hmm. as you would expect maybe someone as the god of love to be we get the little chubby baby cupid today from after the romans conquered the greeks they kind of changed things a little bit and they're one of the first ones that kind of made him a little less hard mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. so um cupid in latin so again eros is the greek word means love Cupid is the Roman version, and it means more of desire or lust. So not necessarily a good good type of love. He's not the only one of his kind. He's just the most popular one. Mm -hmm. There's a whole group of them called the Erotes. Eros and Cupid just happen to be the most popular one. Uh, His brother was supposed to be this kind of counterpart to him, Kind of like when we talked about Santa Claus, there was kind of the good and the bad counterparts. Mm-hmm. Cupid's brother was named Anteros, and he was in charge of requited love, which means love that was always returned. Mm-hmm. Because love that's not returned doesn't really go anywhere. Anteros looks almost exactly like Cupid, except his wings are a little bit more butterfly-like, and he has the bow and arrow. But he also has a club, so you get clubbed by yeah, a... clubbed to death. Club, club, no, clubbed into love. Oh, clubbed into love. And the bow and arrow, he could do anything with. He could strike humans. He could strike the gods. It's, again, part of why people were kind of more afraid of Cupid and Aneros, because they just had a lot of power in terms of who people did or didn't fall in love with. 
So he had the golden arrows that could make someone fall in love. They're gold, they're positive, they're good. But he also had leaden arrows. And if you were hit with a leaden arrow, that person would despise you. It's not good. Yeah. You could cause a lot of trouble that way. Well, yeah, especially if you hit one person with a golden arrow and the other person in that same relationship with a leaden arrow. And so one person's obsessed with the other and that the other person despises them. Yeah. And we have a story about that. We do. He would, he, he did that with the gods. I think the most famous example of that is he shot Apollo, who was the God of like, who was like a great God, the God of like music and poetry and light and medicine. Like I've studied Greek mythology and he's one of the gods that I actually like. A lot of them are just horrible people, but arrows shot him with a golden apple to make him fall in love with someone named Daphne. An apple. Or not apple, a golden arrow. Sorry. (laughs) About Snow White. (laughs) Always, always. Snow White's always in the back of my mind. He shot him with a golden arrow, making him fall in love with this woman named Daphne. But then he shot her with the lead arrow, making her hate Apollo. Mm -hmm. And so he just, he, he was willing to mess with gods and humans alike. It's, it's, it doesn't sound that bad, but it's actually terrifying. No. Yeah, it is. He could stop you from being with your one true love right super manipulative too or or has the ability to be manipulative Mm -hmm. so in most of his stories he's this kind of secondary kind of puppeteer type of character that's manipulating the main characters of who they fall in love with and who they don't but the most famous story that involves him is the story story of cupid and psyche Mm -hmm. so that's a story we kind of want to tell you today Mm -hmm. i've never heard of psyche which I, I mean, I've heard the term, I'd heard the term psyche before, just in yeah. terms of like studying psychology, which mm-hmm. I'll kind of explain why I think that gets, why I think that's a main character in this story. But one of my favorite books is Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis, and he retells this story. So I actually have read a retelling of the story before I even heard the original story. So mm-hmm. we're going to tell you the original story today. And mm-hmm. if you're interested in it, Go pick up a copy of C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces. Do it. So in this story, Aphrodite, which we've talked about is the goddess of love, um, beauty, desire, lust, all those things. She is becomes jealous of a mortal named Psyche. So Psyche is this mortal human. She is extremely beautiful. The humans are starting to worship her as if she were a god. They're building temples to her. They're actually pulling pulling away from Aphrodite and turning to Psyche, which is not going to make Aphrodite happy. Mm-mm. She said, no, we can't have that. And she's she and she is a jealous, vengeful type of love and desire. So she's not going to like that. So she calls in Eros, who is her son, to shoot an arrow at Psyche and cause her to fall in love with a monster. Because again, Eros can control who they fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Somehow Eros... Either some stories say it's by mistake, some stories say it's on purpose, but he ends up injuring himself with the with his own arrow, and he falls in love with Psyche. Mm. So in some stories, it's an accident, which your weapon is a bow and arrow, like you should know how to use this. And so in some stories, they say it's it was intentional. But he now has fallen in love with Psyche. Psyche, who is extremely beautiful and all these humans like love and adore her, she didn't have any mortal, she didn't have anyone who was interested in actually being with her. So they all kind of 
just idolized her and put her up on a pedestal, but nobody was actually pursuing her in terms of a serious relationship. They might've just thought she's too good. I'm not Yeah, she's try. just untouchable. Mm-hmm. So her father um, ends up trying to figure out what's going on with her. Like, why does she not have any kind of like marriage proposal on the horizon? Why doesn't anyone want to be with her? So they do what they always do and they go speak to an oracle. They think that they, they have these people who can predict and tell the future. And the oracle says that Psyche was destined to marry a monster that even Zeus himself was afraid of. So this is why they they assume she has this kind of doomed fate that she's going to marry a monster that even Zeus himself was afraid of. Mm-hmm. Which all of the gods were a little bit afraid of Eros because of the the powers he had over love. They they go and her father goes and drops off Psyche to meet this monster on the top of a mountain and they just leave her there. So see you later. Psyche. Bye. Um, she might also have daddy issues. Yeah, she probably does because her father just abandoned her on this mountain. Cause once the Oracle spoke, they, they just thought, okay, well that's how it's going to be there. The God of the wind comes and picks her up. Zephyrus comes and wo- whooshes her away to this beautiful palace in the sky where she is waiting for her, for this monster that's supposed to marry her or supposed to kill her or both but everyone there is invisible so her servants are invisible this quote-unquote monster husband was invisible so she was tended to by all these invisible maidens treated like a princess at night her husband would come and would he but he and he would lay with her but he would be invisible too so she can't see anyone just everyone's invisible like invisible husband invisible servants the God of the winds is kind of invisible because mm. it's just wind. So she's just by herself. Mm-hmm. This God, this monster husband, God turns out to be arrows. You probably saw where that was going mm-hmm. because he pricked himself with the arrow and he's in love with her, but he didn't know want psyche to know who he was because he was afraid that it wouldn't work out. Typically relationships between gods and mortals didn't work out. So he thought if he kept his identity hidden, they would be able to stay together. But she eventually is going to figure this out because that would be a boring story Mm -hmm. if she just was with these invisible people for the rest of her life. Obviously, she's super lonely because everyone is invisible. And she asked her husband if she can visit her sisters. So she has these two sisters that were on Earth. These sisters are jealous of her because they're not as pretty as her, Mm -hmm. which made me think of it gave me some Cinderella vibes like the the wicked. They're kind of like the wicked stepsisters type Mm -hmm. of character. They're jealous of her beauty. They're jealous of her life because up to this point, they thought she was dead. Like they thought the monster killed her. So when she is able to visit her sisters, she tells her sisters about, you know, this beautiful palace and how she's served and she's treated like a princess and how well her husband treats her, even though she can't see her husband. And so the sisters end up trying to kind of manipulate her. Um, they have horrible relationships with their husbands Mm -hmm. and she has a good psyche has a good relationship with her husband, even though she can't see her. So they kind of remind her, Hey, this Oracle said that your husband is a monster. So this is not going to turn out well for you. He's going to probably eventually try to kill you. So you should try to kill him first. Mm -hmm. And she takes this, she believes it. She tries to 
figure out who he is. So one night when they are asleep, so she can like, I guess, feel that he's asleep beside her, even though she can't see him. She takes a lamp and holds the lamp over his face. Well, I don't understand this part in terms of he's invisible. So is a lamp going to really show you? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway, a little bit of a error in plot in my mind. But she holds this lamp over his face. She sees that it is Eros, the god of love. And he's just beautiful and he's not a monster. She's all it, he's all that she could ever imagine and want in a in a mate. But then she drops some hot wax on him. He wakes up. He's upset because she has a knife ready to kill him because she thought it was a monster. When she sees it's the god of love, she decides not to kill him. But this obviously affects the relationship. So she is abandoned. Eros leaves her because he thought she wanted to kill him. And she's upset. So she's going to try to... She tries to kill herself by jumping off of this mountain and into a river. But the river didn't want to upset Eros, the god of love. So Mm -hmm. the river spits her back out. She tries to then visit her sisters and tries to kind of reconcile or figure out what's going on here. She tells her sisters that she was abandoned and kicked out of her palace. And now Eros wanted one of, she tells her sisters that Eros wanted one of them to be his new wife. So now she's kind of seeking revenge on her sisters. So her sisters end up going up to the mountain where, where Psyche was abandoned. And she tells them, I jumped off this cliff and the West winds took me away and, took me to Eros and now he wants to marry one of you. And when her sisters jump off the cliff, the West winds don't come and pick them up. And Mm -hmm. so they end up just dying. So her husband has abandoned her. Her sisters have tricked her. So she tricked her sisters in return. That's cold. Yeah. Which it it reminds me of the step, the two sisters remind me of the stepsisters in Cinderella because they're just jealous and manipulative, but minus the, revenge of the sister killing the mm-hmm. the two mean sisters psyche searches all over for eros she can't find him so she eventually goes to aphrodite for help because she knows aphrodite is eros's mother what she doesn't realize is that aphrodite is a cold stone yes you know mm-hmm. what she doesn't realize that aphrodite is the one that kind of set all this in motion because she was jealous of her beauty So Aphrodite makes her do these four labors. The first one reminds me of uh, Cinderella again, where she has to sort through this like massive pile of grains and plant seeds, which would just be like sorting different types of rice into different piles. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be impossible, but ants and animals come help her with this. So it's like the... Snow White. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Like Snow White and like Cinderella where the little all the animals come and help her with her task. That would, um, that would be me. Oh, that would, I would love for animals to come help me with all my tasks, Mm -hmm. especially if there's something supposedly impossible. Another one was she had to receive a teeth, a tuft of like golden fleece from a sheep that these were, they were huge. They were dangerous. Um, she realizes I'm not gonna be able to get this done. So she tries to throw herself into the river again. But the river helps her and tells mm-hmm. her how to get the fleece. He you says, lo- "You love a good helpful personification river. of a." Oh, which makes me think of Pocahontas. 
Mm-hmm. They're getting so much from this story. I know. We're starting to see a pattern here. The river ends up telling her, just go get some of the fleece from, a th- from the bushes. Like when the ram, when the sheep goes through the bushes and it loses some of the fur, just go get it from there. Mm-hmm. Another one was she had to receive a jug of water from a different river that was incredibly dangerous. It was like really high on the mountain, rocks. It was supposed to kill her. Zeus helps her with this one. He sends an eagle to fill up the jug for her. And then the last one, which reminds me of Sleeping Beauty, is she's sent to the underworld to receive a dose of Persephone's beauty. So she gets this little box that she's supposed to bring back up to Earth to give to Aphrodite. Because again, Aphrodite, she wants to be the prettiest person in the world. Mm-hmm. But Psyche opens the container, which this also reminds me of Pandora's box. Yeah. She opens the container thinking, oh, well, I'll be, I'll get a little bit of this beauty but it was actually like a sleeping curse. And so when she opens the box, she's thrown into this deep slender slumber in the underworld. And it's not until Eros comes and finds her, because he eventually forgives her, decides he can't be without her. He comes down to the underworld to rescue her, and he um, pricks her with his arrow. Mm-hmm. And she comes out of their sleep, and they get married. And they they end up living happily ever after. Zeus blesses the marriage. Aphrodite backs off because Zeus blessed the marriage and he's the god of the gods. So she kind of has to take a step back. They allow Psyche to become a god because part of the reason it wouldn't work was because she was immortal and Psyche was a a god. Mm -hmm. So she's able to drink the ambrosia, becomes immortal. And then she even gets the title Psyche, the goddess of the soul, which Psyche means the human soul, mind, and spirit. Mm. So it's kind of this, I think this this whole thing is kind of this commentary on, you know, love just for outward physical love's sake isn't, isn't going to last. But then when you add in Psyche, the soul, mind, and spirit, it, it makes for this deeper kind of relationship that most of what Aphrodite and Eros were all about was this physical external love. But then once love, the God of love marries the goddess of the soul, it becomes something deeper. Mm. So I like, which that. is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what um, C.S. Lewis's whole book is about is kind of this, a deeper dive into love versus the heart and the soul and the mind and joining those two things. Interesting. So a little bit darker than Mm -hmm. the little cherub baby that we have. That's the story of Cupid and Psyche. That's a nice story. Do you want to share part of the timeline to get us up to modern day? So there was a a poem in 440 BC, and it uh, is one of the first times you see Eros. His name's mentioned, and it says, I'll read you an excerpt. It says, Eros, invincible in battle, Eros who falls upon men's poverty, You who spend the night upon the soft cheeks of a girl and travel over the sea and through the huts of dwellers in the wild. None among the immortals can escape you, nor any among mortal men, and he who has you is mad. Which sounds kind of creepy. Yeah, it it plays on the whole. He's actually, like, they're all scared of him. Yeah, this physical, like, warrior type of guy instead. There's another one from the 5th century BC, and it's a play by Euripides. Is that how you say that? Mm Mm-hmm. And it mentions the frightening notion that 
Eros could force the wrong people into love. That's what they highlight in this play. And a quote from that is, I pray that love may never come to me with murderous intent and rhythms measureless and wild. So they like didn't want, no. like you didn't want to have. They didn't even running. want the good crazy love. Yeah, they, they were like, like back up. Give just me that leave, standard just, old gray. They were like, just leave us alone. Mm-hmm. We're okay with marriage just being like a political family alliance. Mm-hmm. We don't need any kind of romance part of it. Right. Uh, one way to lessen the fear associated with Eros was to infantilize him. So he was this, like we talked about, this really handsome, nice bod, strong like, man. And to kind of make him less scary, they turned him into a, a baby. <laughs> yeah, they took that whole like son, like Aphrodite's son, and made him like young son version. Yeah, like Aphrodite's baby instead of his instead of his yeah. like terrifying throw a spear through your heart kind of person. Mm-hmm. And the Romans made him more of the like we said the little baby who followed his mom's wishes to make people fall in love. So but, he's more of just like a a pawn is the one i was looking for yes but still if you study if you study and know anything about aphrodite you know that she's not like this pleasant like oh love is nice and beautiful and kind she's this like vengeful jealous don't mess with aphrodite yeah like you that's not who you want Mm -hmm. to be in charge of your relationships no thank you valentine's day was becoming popular in the 18th century and by the turn of the 19th century cupid had become linked to the holiday and all the ways that we see him for his love creating abilities which was some of the like original valentine's day activities were not candy grams or flowers and mm-hmm. chocolate what yeah tell us about that what, yeah <laughs> just you just i'm gonna let you talk about the next part so one one of the festivals from this earlier time period was kind of this more pagan festival kind of this weird ritual again this makes me think of uh santa claus the Mm -hmm. running in the streets thing there are lots of festivals that involve you just like running up and down the streets doing weird stuff but this is the weirdest this is probably the weirdest for valentine's day which they didn't call it's it's not called valentine's day at this point still at this point it is still that i think this is called luper luperscalia that's their that was their version this holiday it was a festival of purification and fertility. So mm. obviously, when you're talking about love, they're talking about these relationships and having babies. And they would run during this Lupercia or Lupercy. They would run. Men would run up and down the streets, practically naked, smeared with blood from the sacrifice of animals. Mm-hmm. And they would run through the streets like whipping women with these long whip-like strings cut from these animals. So they would sacrifice animals, uh-huh. probably to the gods of love and marriage and fertility, because okay. they still do that kind of stuff. Then they would cover themselves in the blood. I'm not really sure why for that one. Why not? And then they would... Beat the women. Beat the women. And I think it was supposed to be like they were trying to recreate the the prick or the arrow of... Uh, of cupid Mm -hmm. and so they would hit these women and if they if they got hit it was like it was as if they were getting like hit by cupid's arrows Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be a positive thing in terms of you know inducing fertility or 
in encouraging relationships. I don't know. Just imagine just, a festival uh, with a bunch of naked men covered in blood running around with these just, whips just they made out of goat skin. I don't like and, it. And whip. I, I, I wish a, I wish a, would, would try me. Yeah. I'm glad Come that that is. Me. I'm glad that that is not. And, and they thought, I mean, this is totally normal. So I, they were like. The women probably wanted to be. They whip. did. They would line the sides of the streets, mm. like trying to get hit by one of these whips. Like Interesting. what? Mm. Yeah. We've come I don't a like long it. way as women. We really have. Valentine's Day, just give me a box of chocolates. Yeah. We well, don't have to whip me want. and prick me. Yeah. So that's what um, I read an NPR article that it just made me laugh that they said Valentine's Day is a time to celebrate romance and love and kissy face field tea, but the origins of the festival of candy and cupids are actually dark and bloody. Mm. Uh, Though no, it's a, it goes on to say, though no one has pinpointed the exact origin of this holiday. So we kind of talked about some of the history, but it's not really mm-hmm. this Valentine's holiday. It says, one good place to start is with ancient Rome when men hit on women by, well, hitting them. Like, yeah. yeah. Literally. Mm. I wonder if that's where the term, I wonder if that's where the term comes from. Like if a guy hits on you, oh, yeah. if he was like, if it comes from that, he was literally hitting you with this whip, trying to recreate hitting you with a Cupid's arrow. Ew. At least they weren't going around and shooting people with arrows. True. Because that very well could have been mm. a possibility. You'll never look at Valentine's Day the same way again. No, I really won't. It you, was, it was, and it, because it wasn't until the 19, 1913 when it became kind of what we have today. 1913 is the first time that Hallmark cards began mass producing Valentine's. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of when it became commercialized. As most things do. Our uh, true crime is also a fun time. Which, honestly, I feel like the true crime fits more in with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it where I got fits, it from. Fits more in with the history than we'd like for it to. Yeah. Are, are you ready for it? Maybe get a little snack first? Yeah, let's get a little snack first. Let's get a little Valentine's treat. I didn't get you a box of chocolates. That's okay. I don't. Sorry. I never want. I don't like that or we, flowers. We, we try to get something different. Mm-hmm. So you can. You, you can, can just go to my Amazon wish list. Yeah, and so give me something. So snack break and then and true, true crime. Bye bye. It's snack break. <laughs> what are we eating today, Lacey? Well, you know how last week we wanted to eat some snowballs. You wanted to eat some snowballs. You had your heart set on that, and we couldn't find them anywhere. Well, I found them at Target, and they're pink, so I felt like it went along with Valentine's Day, and I thought we'd try them. Well, because also, we were talking, everybody knows what all the Valentine's Day treats taste like. Mm-hmm. It's just like M&M's, but they're pink. Yeah, which they don't taste any different, and it's just marketing. Yeah. So, but, and probably people know what snowballs taste like. I've never had one of these. Me either. And I don't like coconut, so this should go really well. I'm... ASMR. It does it does make me laugh that you wanted this when you don't well, like coconut. Pretty. What what is it? Can you explain it, to the people what it is? Um it's chocolate coconut. Pink coconut on the outside. Uh, I think chocolate brownie on the inside and inside of that. It's like a Russian doll. Yeah. And inside, inside of that, that is like... some kind of white goo. Probably like a whipped cream or something like that. Ooh, um, it's bigger than I thought it was going to be. It, it, it kind of looks like the bottom half of a of a cupcake mm-hmm. without the icing. Maybe mm-hmm. you're smelling it. Was it smell like coconut? Okay. Are you are you prepared? 
No, not oh, not really. Now, don't just take a a sissy bite. I won't get halfway in there. Okay, ready? One, yeah. two, three. Mmm, I don't like that. <laughs> um. Oh. Mmm. What? Um. Mmm. The outside's marshmallow. Mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. <laughs> I don't want to. Are you going to spit it out? I don't want to swallow it. <laughs> yeah. It. Um, but that's our snack break for today. The, I did not. I think the outside is marshmallow. I think it goes marshmallow, coconut, marshmallow, brownie, cream. Yeah. And it's not. But if you don't like coconut, you're not going to like this. And I don't. And I didn't. I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm going <clears> to <throat> give that a two. Yeah. I don't love that. And it was the last I box. Because I don't like coconut. So, mm-hmm. obviously, the people like it because this was the very last box on the shelf. I don't like the texture of coconut. It, this has a lot of different textures. The mm-hmm. texture of the coconut and then the texture of the marshmallow and then the texture of the brand. It just has a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wash that down with a diet root beer. Yeah. Um, okay. And now uh, we know. Now we know. Let us know if you like snowballs. We'll send you the rest. <laughs> we will. If you love coconut and want to have the rest of these snowballs. I think this is the first snack break where we didn't need all of the snack. Yeah. Yeah, we both just took one bite and then then pushed it to the side a Mm -hmm. little bit. And that's snack break for today. There we go. Snack break. Two out of ten. Did not love. All right. A true crime. survived the snack break but barely no Lacey barely survived she hated that snack break so bad that she had to go get a toothpick because she just had coconut all in her teeth and all she could find was a kebab skewer mm-hmm. so she's literally picking coconut out of her teeth with out of my permanent retainer out actually. of her permanent retainer with a kebab skewer mm-hmm. like the size of my forearm yeah yeah you gotta do what you gotta do especially after a snack break like that you got to do what you got to do, and that's uh, what the person in this story thought today. No, he did not have to do what he did. So, tell us Com- about this story you found. Oh, uh, okay. Um, common Valentine's Day gifts. You got your chocolates. Yep, we talked about chocolates. Your flowers, your roses, your teddy bears. We, at, we took off the list snowballs. Don't mm-hmm. get that for your Valentine. Right, Don't. I wouldn't recommend Uncommon Valentine's Day gifts, um, murdering your wife as a gift to your much younger mistress for a Valentine's Day gift. Oh, yeah. Don't recommend hey, it. Love you so much. I <laughs> killed my wife for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what we have today. We are <laughs> Lo- gonna, Lovely. We are going to be talking about the murder of Denise Luthold. So, buckle in. Oh, you gosh. ready? I'm ready. Nathan and Denise Luthold... They had been married for about 18 years when this incident occurred. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. And when they met, he was in the third grade and she was in the fourth grade. We love a, a older they're, woman they're situation. Not e- also, they're not even high school sweethearts. They're elementary school sweethearts. Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to go on dates because their families were extremely religious, but they did get to see each other at church functions, etc. That's how they got to build their relationships. We all know the type. Yeah. The, the family yeah. dynamic that does that. 
Denise was Nathan's first and only girlfriend, which not surprised. Mm -hmm. Again, we come from really religious, strict families. You see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually they grow up. Denise goes to college and two years into college, Denise and Nathan get engaged and then they married in July of 1995. So it seems like everything up until this point has just been easy going. Yeah. Everything kind of fell into place. And then it all seemed to kind of happen quickly as Mm -hmm. soon as they got out of their parents' household. Right. Denise was working in insurance and Nathan got a job in sales and they eventually had three children. And at the time of the incident, the children were four, 10 and 12. So just keep that in your back pocket. Okay. Nathan eventually became a minister slash missionary and he was very interested in mission work in Lithuania. I had to look that up. It's kind of between Poland and Russia and like below the Baltic Sea under Scandinavia. That okay. area. I was about to say, I've, I, was, I recognize the name Lithuania, Lithuania, but I probably couldn't have told you I don't you even want to tell you where I imagined where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was somewhere in Africa. <laughs> Geography is not our strong suit. Nope, sure not. On their first mission, Denise and Nathan spent a year over in Lithuania. So they were committed. Committed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Denise was extremely musical, and her job while she was there, she would teach the Lithuanian girls songs and Bible stories, that kind of thing. And Nathan and Denise would travel back to the States periodically when they would have their children. And on one of these trips back to Lithuania, Nathan and the family met this girl named Ina, who was only six years old at the time. So I just want you to also keep that in your back Okay, so she's Lithuanian? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Aunt Ina and her mother were really involved with the church that Nathan and Denise had been going to there where they were missionaries at. And Ina was noted to be especially good with children. So she um, was, her and her mom were super involved in the church. Because the missionary work required the Luthold family to be gone for long periods of time they were actually at the t- at the year of this incident which was in 2013 they were living with denise's parents and you know i got the address just in case you want to google it, map always, it. it always makes me so laugh so hard that you always have the address for these things it is 700 mossville road in peoria illinois which and this is not abnormal for missionary families that they would not have a house here in the mm-hmm. united states that they would live with a family member because they weren't here super often or Especially like in the Baptist world, they would have missionary homes right next to the church where missionaries could live. Yeah. Yeah. So not not uncommon that they didn't have their own place. When the Luthold's decide to return to the States again, Nathan agrees to sponsor Ina, who is now 18, as a foreign exchange student interested in ministry work and music. She attended Illinois Central College, and she was actually living in Denise's parents' home as well, and she had her own bedroom on the lower level of the floor. Again, not not necessarily abnormal. No. In terms of, like, missionaries, when they go from the U.S. to another country, they often, like, form relationships with those type of people to Mm -hmm. then allow them to come back to the United States. Right. We'll see shortly that it... um... It's not normal. Yeah, okay. I don't know if I you fig- imagine that already. No, I mean, I, f- I figured that... Things get silly. Yeah. So let's fast forward to Valentine's Day 2013. 
the Luthold's had this tradition, apparently, where in the morning on Valentine's Day, Nathan would get the children bathed and dressed while Denise would cook the breakfast, and then they would surprise the kids with a Valentine's Day treat. And Nathan would always surprise Denise with flowers and chocolate. Classic. Mm-hmm. I, let me just... I, I'm just not a big fan. Like, flowers are nice. Chocolate's nice. But I'd just rather have a... An animal. Yes. That's what you precisely. want for Valentine's Day. You want Tracy to get or you a cozy pair a of pants. Or a candle. Or a candle. Or um, something Harry Potter. Easy. Easy. Nathan would then leave for the day to take the oldest children to school. And then supposedly he went to go work at the church. Because he probably worked at the church when All he wasn't the doing the mission field somewhere mm-hmm. else. The last person known to speak to Denise was her friend, and this was around 11 a.m. that day, and they had actually made plans to have lunch next week. Denise then took the four-year-old to her afternoon kindergarten class, and witnesses said they saw Denise leave the school at approximately 12.20 or 12.25 that day. Later that day, Nathan gets a call from his youngest daughter's school because Denise never showed up to pick her daughter up from school. So Nathan calls the in-laws who he's living with and he is checking to see if they had heard from Denise and they said they had not seen her and they offered to go get the child from school. But Nathan was like, no, I'll go get her before returning home. He said to check on Denise. So So he was going to go home, check on Denise and then go get the kid opposite way okay he's he gonna go get the little girl mm-hmm. and then okay. and then go check on denise so when nathan returned home this was approximately 3 p.m he immediately called 911. he said it looked like someone had broken into their home and there was a broken window and the garage was left open however nathan told the 911 operator that he wasn't going to go into the house he was just going to wait till they got there which if i pull up to my house and I just, in my house is like burning down and I, I know Chase is safe and just my animals are in, inside. I'm going to try and go inside and like save them much less like my spouse. Right. Like he knows obviously something's wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Why is he not going in the house? Right. So the police eventually do arrive and they gained entrance through the open garage door. And when they get inside, the house looked like it had been completely ransacked. Like you would see in a robbery. In a robbery yeah. But there were some strange things they noticed. For instance, the kitchen, compared to the rest of the house, was especially a mess, which is strange because most robbers don't go straight for the kitchen. Right. There's nothing super valuable in the kitchen. I would go for the KitchenAid mixer. Those are pretty valuable. You know what I'm saying? But still, that's not not number one on my list of thing, places. I'm looking for jewelry, money, mm-hmm. electronics. Right. Also, in most burglaries, items are kind of scattered everywhere, but in the kitchen, especially, there were drawers that had just been taken out and set on the floor. So a very neat mm-hmm. and tidy robber. Robber, yes. The family's electronics, including the television and the VCR, which we... What? It's 2013. Why you got a VCR? Um, <laughs> they were still present. Which, had, I, which I just said is the number one thing that they go for. Mm-hmm. Denise's purse and wallet were left undisturbed. Mm-hmm. That's your first sign right uh, yeah. there. And of note, there was just also $300 found in one of the dressers in their room. So was anything missing? I mean, good night. There was. We're, okay. I was about to say, get to it. if all that stuff is still there, then what kind of robber is this? Right. In a long hallway off the living room, the police found Denise Luthold, who was face down with her head in a pool of blood. 
there was a spent shell casing and a live round right next to her head. So someone had shot her in the head, execution style. The blood was already beginning to coagulate. And this is important because we'll talk about it later. Denise's car keys were found beneath her head. When the police were coming in and out of the house, Nathan was not asking them any questions. He was just standing across the street at the neighbor's house, just not con- he didn't seem concerned you would think you'd be like oh, did what you happened find what happened yeah well, yeah he was not doing that the police reported that nathan showed no reaction to the news of denise's death and nathan said that this was because his dad had heard on the radio that there had been a shooting in their neighborhood so i guess he just assumed it was denise so he wasn't he's like yeah i didn't ask any questions because i yeah. knew she had gotten shot right only after the police cleared the home. Did Nathan agree to go inside because he is a coward? And he went all throughout the house except where Denise's body was, which I can understand if he hadn't have killed her. I mean, I wouldn't want right. to see the body, but here's here's what was stolen. Two of his three handguns were missing. Mm-hmm. One of them was a .22 caliber Beretta. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that? I have. Oh, okay. My husband's in law enforcement. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and a .40 caliber Glock, which, interestingly enough, was the same type of gun used to kill Denise. What do you know? Mm-hmm. Nathan ended up telling the police what kind of car Denise drove, and they found Denise's car located down the street from the home at Robinson Park. So he tried to play it off like they stole the guns in the car? I guess so. Investigators went to the park, found the car, and they also found a set of keys to Denise's car and a trash can next to the car, as well as a pair of fleece gloves that were lying in the same area. After searching for a couple of things and everything seeming kind of weird, they thought this was enough to bring Nathan in, at least for questioning. So well, they do yeah, that. Because don't they always question yeah, the, 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 the next, spouse? Yeah, the spouse, the next of kin. Mm-hmm. Nathan rode with a detective and on the way to the police station when they were passing Robinson Park, this is just an interesting fact. Nathan said, the car is gone, question mark. D- how did he know the car was there? Yeah. Gosh, okay. this guy's an idiot. Um, starting around 6 p.m. that night, Nathan was interviewed for approximately six hours. The police asked Nathan if he had been to that park, and he said yes, that he pulled over in the park earlier that day to answer a phone call. So it's, it kind of sounds like to me he's placing himself there. Um, but he's trying to make it sound like, oh, yeah, like... Just in case they They found something that he he was there, but he was just making a phone call. The police bring up the fact that the car had not been hotwired and someone who had her keys had to drive her car to the park. But remember, uh, Denise's car keys were found under her body. And Nathan said that he was not aware of Denise having an extra set of keys. But remember, they found a second pair of keys in the trash can next to her car. Yeah. So you're not aware that your wife has an extra set of keys your wife of like 18 years mm-hmm. so so how would a robber come in and find this mysterious second set, set of, of keys, keys that were probably if you hadn't been seeing you didn't know they existed because you hadn't been seeing they weren't just laying out in right. the open so questionable nathan reports that he was running errands that morning and the police did confirm this through surveillance videos they actually saw him on camera at starbucks or at around 11:30. he left the starbucks though and then returned and was caught again on camera at around 11:45. so about 15 minutes and the police conducted an experiment where they drive from the starbucks to the house 
then to the park, then walk back to the house, then drive back to Starbucks. And there was plenty enough time for him to have done something else, completed the murder if he wanted to. Yeah. Also, why are you going to Starbucks and then leaving and then going back to that? I guess to, so he would have an alibi. He's just trying, yeah, he's trying to say he was at Mm -hmm. Starbucks that whole time. Yeah. At some point during the investigation, the police decided to check the trunk of Nathan's car and inside the car, they find foreign currency, various safety security box keys, and multiple fake passports. Which I was about to say, the foreign currency wouldn't surprise me with a missionary. missionary work. But the fake passports... Mm, Questionable. Yeah. They also looked at his phone, and they found that he had been texting a girl. Wouldn't you know her name's Ina? Okay, but again, devil's advocate. I mean, you know, if she's living with them as an exchange student, basically... Uh-huh, but yeah. at around 3 p.m. They, that day, they find that Anna, Ina, sorry, wrote a message to Nathan, and he replied, I can't now. Police checked. It looks like the house was robbed, and she responded with interesting smiley face Ew, emoji. I just got chills everywhere. Ew. Interesting. Interesting okay. winky face. Um, the police were able to get a search warrant for the house, and on a desk right next to the bed, investigators found a note tucked in a day planner. And the note was from Denise, and it said, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read you the whole thing because it's very interesting." What on earth could you possibly be thinking? I can't imagine anything you could tell me that would hurt worse than what you were doing to me every day now. I really don't think there is anything that I have done or not done that would cause me to deserve this. I have tried to please you for 17 years and never succeeded. I've never been good enough, never done enough. I know that you want me dead. I'm not stupid. I suppose it will confirm my worthlessness to you when I write that I am not brave enough to do that job for you. And now all of a sudden you are taking me with you places. What is that all about? Maybe you think I don't feel bad enough. You act like you are somehow noble because you won't tell me why you are doing this. It makes me sick. I have been willing at any time to fall in love with you again, but you reject me every time. I wish I could hate you. I've tried to hate you because I thought it would make it easier. I thought it wouldn't hurt so bad. Of course, I couldn't do it, so I have failed with that too. I have been without my pride. I have humiliated myself to try to win something that belongs to me. You defraud me and you don't seem to care. Well, I quit. I'm not going to try to please you anymore. I will do what I have to, but no more of that game. You want to humiliate me by running around with a 20-year-old? Fine, I won't grovel. If I haven't pleased you in 17 years, nothing I do will please you, and I refuse to leave my children just because you have decided to do this to me. You are the only person who thinks I'm a bad mother. Complete strangers compliment me on them, so I will not join you in your obsession with this perfection. I am the same person that I've always been. I am not weaker and in many ways stronger. I refuse to play to your perfectionism in that too. I have borne neglect and criticism and kept going. But now this. How long? How long are you going to do this to me? Oh yeah, until I break. That's what you said, isn't it? Well, happy waiting. Ooh. Mic drop. Ooh. Denise left that mic smoking. Which, I mean, that's all, that too is going to be the, the smoking gun that's going mm-hmm. to show, show him as suspect. Okay, well, this next thing, real, look at making Nathan <laughs> look real good. So they searched Nathan's computer, and it revealed the following search histories. And this wasn't even all of them. I just put together the ones that were most interesting. He searched for... Blow to the head, hitting someone over the head to knock them out. How easy is it to electrocute oneself? How to electrocute? How to erase everything from an iPad? How to hide some sound of a gunshot? How to make GHB without distillation? DHB is the date 
rape drug. How to muffle a gunshot, how to silence a fort, a Glock 40, lethal injection, murder <gasps> insulin, non-diametic getting insulin shots, sleep-inducing drugs, sleep-inducing knockout, suicide by injecting air, suicide by insulin, suicide methods, what fumes if inhaled can make you pass out, where to buy potassium chloride, bathtub electrocution, how to best shoot yourself, how to keep, how to cause sleep paralysis. What? Also, just want to point out the fact that he, he looked up how to erase everything from iPad, but he didn't erase anything yep. from his search history. <laughs> he, he, he looks it up and was like, he looks it up and hard. was like, no, that looks way too complicated. I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm just gonna keep on going. So, yikes. Yep. We, we got that. He has that going for him. So did he, I wonder if he was trying to, cause it looks like some of these, he was trying to make it look like suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he, he and looked then, like he was look. He definitely was looking at multiple methods. Yeah, but if you can't delete something from your iPad, then I wouldn't try. Uh, yeah, poisoning someone or right. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Two days before the murder, Nathan had called the police shortly after midnight to report a suspicious vehicle parked in the driveway across the street from the home. An officer came out checked everything they never saw a car in the area neighbors never said they saw anything so they think that he did this to kind of set, set up, up an alibi and set up the someone's case the in my house yeah. yeah in march of 2013 nathan was arrested in february of 2014 a year after denise's murder the trial would start nathan pleaded not guilty <laughs> big surprise there <laughs> they begin the trial by reading the note from Denise's bedside table, which great start. Yeah, seriously, that that's quite an opening statement. Imagine them just reading that note with our theme song in the background, like, oh, you tried to kill me. And then, yeah, and then just immediately the jury votes. Mm-hmm. No need for any further discussion. <laughs> A neighbor testified that she saw Nathan the day of the murder walking from the park back towards his house wearing a black sweatshirt. A black sweatshirt was found in the home, and it tested positive for gun residue. Which, if he had guns and he went out and shot guns, and did, I don't, I don't yeah. understand why people enjoy doing that, but he could have been wearing that hoodie and yeah. had gun residue on it. But just fun fact: um, on the third day, Ina took the stand, and she is 20 years old at the time. She testified that her and Nathan were not lovers. But they just went on trips together, but it was nothing romantic. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not... Mm-mm. On an interesting note, Ina originally had a translator. However, she became frustrated with a translator. She didn't feel like the translator was representing her properly. And this is when Nathan piped up in the middle of the trial and was like, Oh, I can translate for her. And the judge was like, Yeah, no, we did. Uh- <laughs> You could literally, she could literally just be saying like peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jelly over in Lithuanian and he would just be like, she She says says I didn't do it. Yeah, she says we did. Yeah, Yeah. she says I had nothing to do with it. Then somehow Ina finished the rest of the trial in English, just magically learned how to speak English. Also, she was going to an American college, so I would assume her English was pretty decent. Yeah, I feel like all of that is just, they probably started off with a translator because they thought it made her look like you know, more of a victim mm-hmm. because, oh, she can't even speak English. Like he was manipulating her. That was, that was just yep. all part of their, their ruse. So. The prosecution points out that Nathan and Ina had a joint checking account together, but they, ex- Ina said, oh, this is just normal for someone who's being sponsored. No. Like that's how I get my money. No, it's not. <laughs> that's what she said. Well, so 
one later they found a letter from nathan to ina and it said i love you because you understand me better than anyone else and because i'm a better person with you next to me my life has deeper meaning and purpose because you are my world and everything and that will never change okay no i write that to my casual friends yeah i'm gonna send you a valentine's day card and it's gonna say that please do mm-hmm. i need it with a candy gram yeah oh. yeah i i don't understand how he could like just say yeah we were not romantically involved and there's so much evidence mm-hmm. that they were a pastor testified that he was aware of the inappropriate relationship between nathan and ina and had actually told nathan that if it continued he would lose his job at the church but this was not the first time this had happened because when ina first came to america she was attending the pensacola christian college in florida uh, i'm sure you know about christian mm-hmm. schools mm-hmm. this school had a lot of strict rules and a lot a list of things that were forbidden including being gay you couldn't be in sexually involved with anyone no sexting also you could not participate in yoga or meditating because that's the devil's work as yep. they say yep the school found out about nathan and ina's relationship they specifically found out that she had spent the night with him off campus and they expelled her which I mean, so they obviously are super not hiding anything. No. If a college finds out that, mm-hmm. that you're not yep. good at hiding things. Nope. Police listened to calls that Nathan sent to Ina during the trial or when he was in jail, and it sounded like he was coaching her on what she needed to say, and it later came out that he was also paying for her lawyer. Follow the money. Follow, that's what we always say yep. here on Scary Tales. Yep. The defense, they didn't have too much to go with so they just went with the robbery theory uh, that some random person broke into the house and killed denise there was a muddy footprint inside the home under the window that had been broken it was never linked to anyone and there was also a random fingerprint print on a jewelry box that had never been linked to anyone but how often like you guys are in and out of my house all the time yeah not there's gonna be random fingerprints sometimes yeah so That's not enough to overturn anything. No. After 90 minutes of deliberation, the jury found Nathan guilty of first-degree murder. And before his sentencing, the judge gave a 26-minute speech to him in which he told him, You will end your life in a cold and gray and isolated Illinois penitentiary. You will be more of a number than a name. Ooh. That might drop again. Yeah. He sentenced Nathan to 80 years in prison. And since that time, Nathan has filed an appeal, but the judge said, nah, yeah, that's that, where you're going to stay. Yeah, that judge is not overturning anything. But Ina just got away scot-free. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, I guess she didn't kill her, even though I she wonder, was his mistress. I wonder if they, if she went back to Lithuania. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would at this point. Yeah. You like, need mm, to. Okay. Get out of here, girl. Dang. Yeah. And, and the prosecution the whole time, they during the trial they were like he did this as a valentine's day present for her and that's why we talked about it this week so note to self chocolates are fine mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. no need to do anything extreme here's what i'm saying you don't have to kill me okay yeah just walk out the house yeah we never have to talk again yep. we no, can get a no need to murder anyone to prove your love and affection no nope. i never get that nope and it sounded like Denise knew it was coming, too. Yeah. 
that letter that she wrote made me sad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's our podcast on Cupid and a Valentine's Day murder. Thank you. And but I hope that doesn't give you know, any wrong was, ideas for Valentine's just Day. Just I say, I feel like I'm going to be like looking over my shoulder for Valentine's Day now, waiting for somebody to like shoot me with an arrow or mm-hmm. with a gun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. be careful out there. Yep. Valentine's Day is not the lovey-dovey holiday you thought it was. It's not. Sorry, we ruined your dreams. Sorry. But happy Valentine's Day. But happy Valentine's Day. Hope you get some Taco Bell, Baja Blast. Box of chocolates. Puppy. An animal, yes. Chase, are you listening to this? A puppy <laughs> and a kitten, and we'll be good. We'll we'll call it call it a Valentine's Day miracle. Miracle. Yep. Until next time, you can follow us on Scary Tales Podcast. We do some stuff over there. Yep, we do some stuff over there on the gram. We let you know what's going on. We give hints to the next week's episode. Which a little hint here. Mm-hmm. We are looking at a. A love story. Yes. One of the one of the classic love stories. Mm-hmm. So there you go. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Leave you a little taste, if yep. you will. Um, until next time, don't kill your wife for a Valentine's Day present. Stay scary, stay scary but love stay you. safe. Bye.